1: Hello there, I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course we love Star Wars.
0: And if there's one thing the internet will never have enough of, it is nerds talking about Star Wars. So every episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast.
1: This week, we're staring down that incoming fighter squadron to discuss the newest episode of the new Disney Plus series, Ahsoka. The episode is titled Time to Fly, which, not very creative, but that's fine. We'll go with it. The episode was written by Dave Filoni and directed again by Steph Green. Anders, have you stopped messing with my presets?
0: Colleen, you're moving away. I thought you didn't need them anymore. All right. (laughs) That's (laughs) fair. (laughs) Yeah. All right, then let's go ahead and punch it with an episode recap. We start off, Sabine's back at training. She's using a wooden saber to kind of meet Hu Yang's targets, and she's doing all right. I mean, I thought she seemed to be doing pretty well, but he's he's like, you're not up to snuff once again. Uh, and Ahsoka decides, <laughs> yeah, Ahsoka decides to ultimately up the game. She gives Sabine a blast shield helmet and tells her student to sense where her attacks are coming from. It's just this awesome thing where she's like she's like kind of slowly walking around. Not gonna lie, it was kind of hot.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely was. If Azaria not like, wants
0: to do that to me anytime.
1: <laughs> I got some tingles. <laughs> <laughs> is that the Force? Oh my god. <laughs>
0: yes. Hu Yang also keeps up his lovely running commentary about how Sabine is just not good enough to be trained as a Jedi. After several attempts though, Sabine does seem to kind of start get to get the hang of it and Ahsoka tells her let's go again which once again anytime Rosario Dawson wants to say that to me I'm here for it I mean same (laughs) (laughs) back on home one Hira is in a meeting with mom Mothma and several new republic senators she's trying to get them to authorize her a mission to follow Sabine and Ahsoka and give them some backup and they're they're reluctant they're not going to give her any additional resources because they have pressing issues at hand, and they all pretty much believe that Thron is dead. He's not a threat anymore, so why would we bother with this?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and similarly, like they've already given Hera several resources, several missions to th- kind of search for Ezra, and they're they just believe he's dead, and they totally come off as dicks in the process.
1: Yeah, not looking great in the no. Chancellor's office.
0: <laughs> no. And then after the meeting, we get a nice little introduction to Hera's son, Jason. Yeah. He comes to find her, and he's all excited that Aunt Sabine is training to be a Jedi, which is what he wants to be when he grows up. Cue Colleen's tears.
1: Oh my god, I was emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sweet little baby, you are going to be a Jedi! Maybe. <laughs> Maybe,
0: and then Kylo can kill you.
1: I am of the opinion that Harris and Dula would be like, I'm not sending my child anywhere near a Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Okay. On the shuttle, Ahsoka encourages Sabine, but the Padawan is frustrated that things are going so slowly. Mm, interesting. Ahsoka gives Sabine a lecture about how the force resides in everything even if Sabine doesn't feel it in the same way that Ahsoka does. She insists that while talent factors into things, training and focus are the true determining factors in what allows someone to succeed in tapping into the Force or in not becoming a Sith. Hi, Anakin. She tells Sabine to start small, and Sabine tries and fails spectacularly to move a cup. You win this round. You always do. (laughs) Up in the cockpit... Hera finally radios in and tells the team that she is not coming with that help. They are on their own, which sucks because right then their comms get jammed as they enter the Dinob system. Hu Yang notes that there is something on the other side of the planet, but they aren't close enough for a full scan. In trying to get closer, several fighters appear in a thrilling dogfight slash chase ensues that includes sabine taking the rear gunner seat ahsoka and sabine finding their rhythm as a team again which was super cute ahsoka taking on the fighters by going outside (laughs) into open space (laughs) with her lightsabers and this really cool space suit that like has her room for her trails it's just great i loved it so much um, they chase through the atmosphere with, with a herd of Purgle, which I thought was amazing. Like this is like the opposite of the Lion King wildebeest chase. It's like smooth <laughs> and like cool and fun and like and using Purgle. it to your
0: advantage.
1: Using it to your advantage. Poor Hu Yang does get shut down twice. And then another great part: Shin Hati and Morgan bickering over who gets to take out the Jedi. Hysterical. <laughs> I love it.
0: Great job! You almost got them.
1: Almost. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: God, Hu Yang getting shut down, that was just, oh. it was hilarious.
1: It was, poor buddy. Oh. So,
0: they they managed to kind of land in the forest, and they're they're in hiding. At this point, mm-hmm. Hu Yang's back online, and he does reveal he got the full scan of the Eye of Scion. It's not quite done yet, but it does seem to be something that is capable of traveling extra fast through hyperspace. Mm-hmm. And at Ahsoka's prompting, is it fast enough to get them to another galaxy? He's like, yeah, probably. Seems like that that could be the case.
1: Yeah, specs work; mm-hmm. they check out.
0: Meanwhile, Balin gets his team together, some more HK droids, and some of his little henchmen, and sets them loose to find these Jedi hiding in the forest. And the episode ends mm-hmm. in. That's
1: going to be so cool.
0: It's going to be so cool. It could like... have just been so cool to see then.
1: I know. I wish the episode had been longer. That is one of my complaints for this episode. I love the red though. That like it's it's probably not maples, but it looks like the red forest looks like maple trees mm-hmm. in the fall. So beautiful. I'm like, heck yeah! I'm gonna go leaf peeping here. This looks great. Um, basically, I enjoyed this episode. It's more of a table setting episode for sure. I want more time with these characters, especially the ones we don't know yet talk about it a little bit later um for this kind of show because i'm so familiar with Felony's work i can't wait until we get to the end of the season and we can take a look back and see his vision for the whole as a season he's great at bringing everything together maybe not necessarily individual episodes like there are great episodes of clone wars and rebels but the great part about rebels is that when you look at it as a whole his like attachment to the narrative, and his like he believes in himself, and his storytelling is so cool that I think at the end of the season we'll be like, all right, I get why you had this slower episode here to set us up for some crazy shit that's going to happen next time. Um, and the purgle. looked great, amazing. I want to go hang out with the purgle and hear their their purgle song, because yeah. I'm sure that they sound like whales, and that's awesome. And then I wanted to go watch uh, Star Trek Four because. <laughs> <laughs> Because space whales. Because space whales. <laughs> How about whales? you? What did you? Terrestrial
0: think? whales that we turned into space whales.
1: I like space
0: whales. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I enjoyed this one too. Uh, this to me, this was the closest thing I think we've ever actually had to just a straight up animated Clone Wars or Rebels episode brought to mm-hmm. live action. Yeah. It was paced in a lot of the same ways. It had some of those individual sequences, Ahsoka outside the ship. That's something like we've just never seen really in mm-hmm. live action, but it's something that they would do decently regularly in like clone wars mm-hmm. and just throwing a helmet and all of a sudden they're outside or they're underwater for three mm-hmm. episodes yep. and they're just kind of moving like they normally would. Uh, and I thought that was really great. I do think though pacing wise, it was paced in the same way that it feels like it's part of an arc and they just kind of arbitrarily cut, cut a longer episode into like two halves potentially. Mm-hmm. Which I was a little brought down on. I was like,
1: could we not just do like the next 10 minutes? I know. I was ready. I was hyped. I'm like, ooh, they're going to go on a chase. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I also, I love the the Sabine-Ahsoka dynamic. I know we're going to talk about them here. I love them finding their rhythm together again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have some questions about Sabine's former training and how far they actually got.
1: Hmm. That's fair.
0: She's like, because she like seems like she's coming at this like she's brand new like why is this happening so slowly? And it's like well didn't you didn't you do the basics already? Like you should know how this goes.
1: Mm-hmm, you should have exactly. a sense of
0: how this goes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, especially with Ahsoka, she explains things. She's not like super mysterious mm-hmm. when it comes to certain aspects of the training. Like of course she's gonna be Jedi E and be a little bit like hmm, yeah think on that. You should. But... <laughs> she's just like she's laying it out there she's like this isn't gonna be easy like it's not gonna be something that you're instantly good at because like yeah you're a mandalorian you're really good at a lot of things this isn't one of them right and sabine is like extra credit kid she's not used to being not good at something (laughs) she's used to being the a plus student
0: absolutely which i'm
1: which i'm here for i love that too um i think we might as well jump in
0: well, I would like, I was, I mean, we'll do a little bit more with the characters I know. Uh, my one other critique I think I have
1: mm-hmm. for
0: at this point in the season, and I guess this can, this might work itself out over the next couple of weeks, you know, I, I would have liked just a little bit more from Hera when she's talking to the senators and giving mm-hmm. us some some more specifics about Thrawn. Yes. I think that that would be really... I think that that's actually something key. You know, we talked a lot about last week about how the show is going to tell you everything you need to know about these people. But if we are ultimately setting up for Thrawn to be the big bad and have a significant presence in the back half of the season, like, just a little bit more, like, you know, Thrawn studies his opponents. He anticipates all of their moves. Like, something more specific other than he killed friends of mine.
1: Which he didn't really... I mean, he didn't kill I mean, he's.
0: (laughs) they faced off in plenty of battles where people died.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And
0: she could blame him for Ezra, if you're going to claim that he's dead. Yeah,
1: She could blame (laughs) him for Ezra. But I was like, I kind of felt like they wanted it to be Kanan. And I'm like, but Thrawn didn't kill Kanan. No, Thrawn was actually really pissed. Yeah, he would not have liked that move that Governor Price did. So it was a little bit confusing. But I'm like, okay, well, she must mean, like, pilots that lost their lives part of phoenix squadron something like that yeah but now that you're saying it like yes we need to know why thrawn is such a threat like yes you can say he is but also give like hints or clues about his abilities because yeah. people haven't read all the books like we have no they don't they know haven't know they haven't
0: watched rebels they don't no. know enough about him so just a little just a little bit to get little. to hone in some, on some specific.
1: Little we'll, we'll sneak peek. Like even Morgan could say something. Doesn't have yeah. to be Hera. Morgan could be like, Well, Thrawn did this and Thrawn did this, so that's why he's awesome. Mm-hmm. And we'd be like, All right, we believe it. <laughs> <laughs> because she's a fangirl and she is, of course, going to talk Thrawn up. Yes. And about his best attributes as opposed to Hera being like he's terrifying. <laughs> Which very fair. He is scary. Whew. Okay. Let us hop into our character section. We're going to start out with Ahsoka. Talk a little bit more about her today because we have more time. I like that this episode brings out that warmer side to her as she's training Sabine. Like, Ahsoka's always been very kind. She is on the lookout for people. She's loyal to her friends. Very loyal to Sabine, obviously, because she chastises Hu Yang for talking shit. (laughs) And she encourages Sabine in her training. Like. This is great. I like seeing the side of Ahsoka. Like, she's been the accepting master, unlike a lot of the other Jedi probably would have been. I do like that Hu Yang mentions that Ahsoka comes from this line of non-traditional or unconventional Jedi, which is so true. Like, if we look at the line of teaching, you get Yoda he's not normal everyone <laughs> like,
0: no he's not he, it, which is there. weird because he's also like supposedly the pinnacle of what a jedi yeah. could sh- could and should be but in doing so he's completely not normal
1: he is not normal he trained dooku which we all know what happened there <laughs> and then dooku trains qui-gon who is basically like the jedi bad boy <laughs> like i don't want to listen to you guys anymore i'm gonna raise this like nine-year-old child slave that i found on this desert planet that's cool right
0: Yeah, I cheated by gambling to win him.
1: Cheated, yes. Only a little bit. The Force is fine with that. And then Qui-Gon trains Obi-Wan, who, of course, is another Jedi pinnacle. However, he is a Jedi who has fallen in love. He's a Jedi who makes emotional decisions when it comes to his Padawan, who is Anakin. Have you heard of him? Skywalker, who trained Ahsoka. And let's face it, Anakin and Ahsoka might be two of the most non-traditional Jedi. that have ever existed so it makes complete sense that ahsoka is going to take techniques that she learned from obi-wan from yoda from anakin and use them in her training but it's not completely like what they would have done i think she's much more understanding and much more patient than either of them that's more of a qui-gon thing qui-gon was much more patient i think than either obi-wan or anakin I just like that. I like she's not a cookie cutter Jedi. I mean, she still really doesn't see herself as a Jedi. She even says that she doesn't need Sabine to be a Jedi. She needs her to be herself. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Meanwhile, Huyang's yanks like, sure, I guess <laughs> that seems fine. I, I suppose um, the spacewalk that was so Anakin, though, that was a total Anakin move. <laughs> be like yeah just go outside that seems fine <laughs> yeah totally it's all gonna work out
0: yeah i love what they did what Ahsoka's doing here i, I the one question i think i i still want answered and this goes more into sabine who we'll talk about here in just a sec is like why sabine started training in the first place mm-hmm. like what was Weird. that initial ask like and not, in addition to what what was the falling out like i would love to find out that Sabine was like doing this out of some sense of this is what Ezra wanted. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like I need to do this in order to carry on Ezra's legacy or, you know, whatever to, to do that. Or, you know, if she was open to something from her training with Kanan for the dark saber, she's like, well, I have Ezra's lightsaber now. Maybe we can just sit. You can show me how to do things because, you know, Ahsoka is very much... She says she is not a Jedi. And there's no way that she could be training Sabine to be a Jedi.
1: Right. She's training her in the Force. Like, basically, she's training her in how to be a better Jedi, I think. Yeah. Like, this is the time of the non-Jedi. Like, the Jedi are no more, basically.
0: Right. And then we get that that fun scene where she's trying to move the cup. <laughs> right, after the, right after the talk of talent factors in but training and focus are what really do it actually brought me back to it's been so so long since i've read this and i don't remember which book this is in it is i feel like it's either in shatterpoint or cloak of deception Mm -hmm. um which are two legends novels and there's a scene in like a restaurant or a cantina where the jedi walks in whether it's mace windu or obi-wan or whoever it is And someone at the table is like, Jedi, you guys ain't so good. Really? Anyone with enough practice can use the Force. And they actually manage to, like, levitate a cup or a bowl on the table. But they're, like, straining, and it, like, takes all their focus. And then the Jedi is like, yeah, no, you're right. And then, like, without batting an eyelash, they levitate every bowl in the entire, like, restaurant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got a
0: flex. Yeah, the Jedi got a flex. Um, but this idea that you know it could it could be done by anyone who's willing to put in the work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a and good lesson to take from Star Wars. Instead of you have to be part of a mythical bloodline in order to be adept.
0: Yes, <laughs> but Sabine is not, and we loved seeing Sabine and Ahsoka work together in this episode. Her frustration is so evident. But they find that rhythm back and forth. They're like snipping and whatever back and forth. Ahsoka flying by the window. So did you fix the ship yet? (laughs) And Sabine's rolling the eyes. And you can just tell. You can feel that there is history there. That they know each other well enough Mm -hmm. during this. Uh, Ahsoka realizes that she needs to listen to Sabine instead of just bossing her around. That Sabine has things that she could potentially teach her master. And then once Ahsoka asks Sabine what she needs from her, that's when Sabine can truly flourish. Tell me how to scaffold things for you. And that's how you can uh, that's Mm -hmm. how you can, I could set you up for success.
1: Yes. Exactly. I was just thinking that. (laughs) But Ahsoka,
0: you know, she can't Sabine has to make that choice. Yeah, And that was big last week when she said, I'm ready. And it was big this week when she she gave in and she really tried during that training sequence. She wasn't just like, Ugh, this is stupid.
1: Right. No, she puts the work in, which is, I think, one reason that Ahsoka's like, yes, you can come back. Yeah.
0: Even if Hu Yang is doing his best, you know, grievous impression.
1: Oh the my four, gosh.
0: The four light shafts.
1: Hu <laughs> Yang was on fire this episode. he's <laughs> such dick he's like like your honesty sensor needs to be like turned down a little bit we need to get the empathy boost chip back up in there (laughs) yes i i really liked it i think the highlight of the episode was the ahsoka sabine dynamic here
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i loved it uh we did get to see more of Hera and her temper which you don't get to see that often Hera's usually really well put together she unleashes though her opinions on these new republic citizens and senators who did not experience the war. Like that was a really great call out. Like she is not a diplomat. Hera is a general. She's a soldier. So she is not going to tiptoe around the point at all, which poor Mon Mothma's like, Oh God, (laughs) (laughs) I knew this meeting was going to go terribly. (laughs) As soon as we all showed up in the hollow. Um, Hera just, she's desperate to find Ezra. But she is also very concerned about the threat of Thrawn. And no one will listen to her. (laughs) It's like, Hera has never been the boy who called wolf. So, like, why are we not concerned a little bit more? I mean, I understand it. Like, they want it to be peacetime. They don't want to go back to wartime. It's fair. You want to be in a time... When everything is fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, fine. everything's fine here. He's How are not you? Back. <laughs> He's not back, yeah, exactly. He's not <laughs> back. It's like, but she's a decorated war hero, she personally went toe to toe with Thrawn. <laughs> like, if there was anyone you were going to listen to about this problem, it would be her. Like, let's listen to her. I think Mon Mothma is also concerned, but she is trying to deal with politicians from hundreds if not thousands of worlds and refugees and POWs and trying to deal with imperial remnants and sympathizers who are still out there some of them in the senate (laughs) like there are still people in the senate who are loyal to the imperials so it's like yeah they don't have concrete proof so she's not not gonna give any sort of funding or permission for Hera to go take the fleet and fuck off somewhere (laughs) like that's just not gonna happen But we love you. We love you, Hera.
0: We love Hera. And you know who else we love? We love little Jason Cindula. Oh,
1: what a sweetie.
0: Who apparently was able to slip his, what I assume, nanny bot chopper, which that's a whole (laughs) other thing that we need to. uh,
1: (laughs) That needs to be unpacked. (laughs) I would
0: unpack that. Hera, you know, I love you, but if your two main alternate caregivers for your child are your father and chopper.
1: (laughs) It's terrible. Terrible parenting. (laughs)
0: So, Jason Sindula. So, I mean, people who did not watch Home Wars and Rebels might wonder, like, why are we settling in on this guy? Why were so many people kind of going crazy? So, the last time we saw him, he was an animated little guy. He had green hair and kind of pointy ears. Mm -hmm. He is a precocious little live action guy with also green hair and maybe pointy ears. We're not sure.
1: Um, Nope. (laughs)
0: nope. Uh, So, Jason is the son of Hera and. Former Jedi Knight Kanan Jarrus, who sadly died before the liberation of Lothal. Mm-hmm. So when he says, "I want to be a Jedi gr- to grow up," we you know he actually does probably have the genetic capacity and talent to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the line I think Sabine gave in the you know the the voiceover of the rebels uh, epilogue, excuse me, mm-hmm. yeah, was, you know mm-hmm. Jason Sandula born to fly just like his mother and his father. We all know what his father was like.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Implying that
0: he is definitely, definitely uh, Force-sensitive, and you can definitely see the look in Hera's eyes, because she knows where that led. Yes. For Kanan.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni, you monster. (laughs) (laughs) It would be nice, though, if we got a Kanan name drop. Like, Can anybody talk about him? Mm. Maybe it'll come up later, but I really want them to talk about <laughs> like none of the content even the books that Harris has been in she doesn't really talk about Kanan
0: no she doesn't it comes,
1: comes up a little bit in her inner monologue but never and that's probably because people are like we don't want to talk about it either this is a bad <laughs> like do not do not engage <laughs> <laughs> like her true love was killed by a crazy woman let's not do Oh, yeah. But it was so good to see Jason. He's adorable. I want to see more of him. And Chop getting into trouble.
0: Definitely more Chop.
1: We do need a lot more Chop. Please give us more Chop. Okay, now we're on to some villains here. We get Morgan again. She's over on the IO Scion. She's feeling it. She's feeling great. Walking across that bridge, being in charge. Um, we do get the sense, though, that Morgan, Balan, and Shin might not exactly be on the same page here. It's more of a means to an end kind of relationship. Morgan and Shin with their like snarky commenting back and forth about Ahsoka's ship, this jockeying for position. It's nice to see this dynamic versus Ahsoka and Sabine, who are getting more into their relationship and being a team. And the villains are just like, "Mm, this isn't going to be good. And you know who doesn't like this kind of infighting, backbiting? Thrawn. Not going to be impressed with this sort of situation. (laughs) He likes people to be a team, too, everyone. you got to get on Team Chimera or you're going to get cut.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: That'll be interesting when he finally shows up. Mm-hmm.
0: We didn't really get anything from Balin this week, but we did get a little bit of Marok Mur- and shin me. Hati. We still don't know a ton about these two. They do seem to be very good pilots. And they are very easily distracted when Ahsoka decides to do a little spacewalk. walk. Uh, it was cool to actually hear Murdoch's voice. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely going through some kind of voice modulator. Uh, this does, given the credits for that, it does seem to kind of shut down a little bit. The
1: Sam um, the Sam
0: Witwer theory. I don't know. I saw I sent you a theory this week. I saw mm-hmm. that uh, it's actually Kanan under there. And Ugh, uh, just no. Thanks, I hate it. Absolutely no.
1: not. <laughs> He's dead, y'all. Like it he had to die dead. twice. He had to die twice in Rebels. We had to see it twice. He's dead. <laughs>
0: but we did. We did like when Shin was getting feisty with Morgan, and I kind of want to see those two get into more fights.
1: And Balon just standing there like his arms crossed. Like I don't know why you guys are fighting. <laughs> yeah, you can just tell he'd have that personality. Like I don't know what's going on, guys. <laughs> why are you? Why are you doing this? This seems stupid oh man um and now we have the new republic who are not outright villainists but they are definitely a hurdle that our heroes are going to have to get across start out with mom mothma she is played again by genevieve o'reilly poor mom she just seems real tired like she, well, she sh- should
0: be she is holding this new republic together through sheer force of personality at this point yes
1: she is she is the only one who is like the linchpin of this government. She's the Chancellor of the New Republic. She has a lot on her plate. Um the events in the aftermath and Alphabet Squadron books have already happened. So a lot of shit's gone down, you guys. (laughs) Poor Mon Matha has been through it. She's most likely enjoying this kind of relative peace that they're experiencing right now. But unfortunately, just like Leia, there isn't much rest for Mon ever in the Star Wars universe. She'll be in power during this part of the timeline until she retires later due to an illness. Which, unfortunately, once she retires, that kind of sets into motion things for the sequel trilogy. Because the unity within the New Republic starts to crack once she retires. And they basically force Leia out of government. <laughs> because, y'all, Darth Vader's her dad.
0: <laughs> yes. And then she gets sweet petty revenge on the one who her.
1: Darn right. That's another great book, everyone. Read Bloodline. <laughs> yes.
0: And then we have Homaro's he is the center of Hosnian Prime, one of the planets that gets destroyed by Starkiller Base in The Force Awakens. I don't think he's actually on it at that time.
1: No, he is not there. Because yeah. he's in uh, Resistance. He right. talks to... Yeah.
0: So he is the father of Kaziono, as Colleen just mentioned. He's the main character from the other animated series, Resistance series. Never quite got up off the ground. It's, it's game towards a younger audience. I think a Season 3 would have done it a lot of good, but it got cancelled yeah. after, two. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh he's mostly interested in just having peace at this moment. He's he comes off as kind of that politician who you think he's got some self-interest in not going back to war. Mm-hmm. Um he could be in in ignoring her warnings about Thrawn. He's possibly emulating a character from the Legends books uh named Borsk Fela. I hate him. I
1: hate him so
0: he is, much. <laughs> he, is, he is kind of the head of the Bothing contingent and mm-hmm. tries to scheme to oust Admiral Akbar and kind of take take over by doing this whole like, hey, the war is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Star Wars is just generally not kind to characters like this. The threat always no. does come back and they want to turn a blind eye until it is too late. And I yeah. kind of want to take a second to take a look at Mom and take a look at Amaro, and You know, we talked last week about how the new republic is kind of doomed to fail. And there is plenty of historical precedent for that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, you know, Mon kind of takes some hits as being the, I need, I need the support of the council. I need the support of the Senate in order to take action. And we want her to just take action. Right. But she's got that commensurate. She's a politician and she's dedicated to democracy, which is unfortunately messy.
1: Yep. She actually Padme. loves democracy.
0: <laughs> Padme Padme says it in Attack of the Clones. People don't always agree.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes they don't agree for the right reasons. Sometimes they don't agree for the wrong reasons. No matter what his Hamaro's reasons are, generally, yeah, people don't want to go back to war. We just finished that. We just had a civil war. We don't want another one. And the New Republic in that way is very quick to demilitarize itself. Yes.
1: Very quick, too quick,
0: much too quick. Healing these types of wounds from this war are going to take generations. Yeah, and doesn't go so well.
1: Does not. We've seen the sequels.
0: Yes, we know <laughs> what happens.
1: All right, everybody. I think it is time to head into our homages and Easter eggs section. I'm going to get us started with the episode title "Time to Fly." While the title isn't a callback to anything in particular, we think it means that the wait is over and it's time to get to the meat of the story. Like, it's time to fly, guys. Let's go. It's also a great homage to note that many Star Wars characters have expressed where they find their rhythm and sense of self is when they're flying a ship. Especially Hera.
0: <laughs> Hera, Han, Luke. They're all they're all pilots. Great pilots. Mm-hmm. I'm a great pilot. Yeah. I'm a Star Wars character. A I'm great a great pilot. pilot. next we have that training scene I mean Hu Yang is doing these drills with Sabine he's not only an expert in lightsaber construction he's also an expert in training Mm -hmm. Uh, we get some dialogue callbacks to A New Hope Ahsoka makes Sabine put on the helmet with the blast shield down I can't even see how am I supposed to fight (laughs) Might have been a little bit much, like a little too on the nose.
1: It was very on the nose, <laughs> it was really
0: on the nose. Uh, mm-hmm. those wooden sabers are the same ones that Kanan is mm-hmm. having a, a Sabine use when tra- initially training her with the dark saber. You know, Sabine's just like whiny Luke,
1: but not as whiny. I think we need to try. She's point not out as, whiny. <laughs> yeah, she is not
0: as whiny about it. She kind of rolls up with it pretty quick.
1: Mm-hmm. She's like, all right. <laughs> They used to do worse to me when I was training at home. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, Ahsoka mentions that Sabine's battle prowess comes from her training as a Mandalorian. Sabine was a member of the Wren family, a noble house in the Mandalorian clan system. When she was young, she would have learned combat techniques from her mother, Ursa Wren. When will we see you? As well as other Played Mandalorian... by Michelle Yeoh. I know, yes. Michelle Yeoh, please, please give this to us. <laughs> and of course, she would have had other Mandalorian weapons masters. This is why she's able to pick up the lightsaber moves quickly. However, Wu Yang reminds us that there have been very few Mandalorian Jedi. We really only know of Sabine and of Tara Vizsla, from canon, at least.
0: And he is canonically the first, first. Mandalorian Jedi. Next mm-hmm. up we have Zataki. Zatachi?
1: I think it was Zatochi or Zatachi. Zatochi. Yeah.
0: Zatachi, yeah. Uh it's- so he uses this term for Sabine's training. Uh, most likely comes from Zatoichi, which is a Japanese fictional character. Zatoichi was a blind swordsman. And there were a lot of novels, a lot of films. He's a very, very well-known character in those mm-hmm. in those genres. Uh, Donnie Yen has used this character as inspiration for Chirrut
1: mm-hmm.
0: when he oh. is in Rogue One.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to cry this whole episode and I don't want to have anything to do with the actual episode. (laughs) Speaking of Chirrut, Sabine isn't the only non-Force user linked to the Jedi. Chirrut was a guardian of the wills, a warrior belonging to a Force religion on Jedha. He wouldn't have been admitted to the Jedi Temple, but there's no doubt he felt an affinity for the Force. In Legends also, there are also descriptions of characters who kind of shine Within the force, Jaina Solo says that her father, Han Solo, and her bad boy boyfriend, Jag Fell, both have strong impressions within the force, but are not force sensitive themselves. Which I I love that concept of force users kind of being able to see impressions within the force of other people. And mm-hmm. They're like, whoa, whoa, this person is really bright and shiny.
0: Yeah, this that never went wrong for Jaina ever.
1: Never went wrong for Jaina. She had a beautiful life.
0: <laughs> Next up, I mean, this is Star Wars, and we do see a lovely, awesome space battle.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: was cool. This dogfight scene was action packed. It was very fast paced. It was just really fun. Uh there were some like World War II stylings in there that made it really fun to watch. We haven't done a lot of that recently.
1: Yeah.
0: The ships have so far kind of mostly just been point A to point B, but we haven't had a lot of like dogfights and, and battles. Um, but it had it also had these really unique moments. We've talked multiple times now about Ahsoka doing the spacewalk and then moving maneuvering through the Pergil, which was really cool. It was cool to see them use creatures in that way instead of like a canyon.
1: Yes, no canyons, no asteroid field. Like the Pergil are (laughs) the devastator in this. Imagine
0: pod race, like a ten-minute pod race sequence through the (laughs) Pergil.
1: Okay, fine. If there are Purgle involved, (laughs) I might be fine watching a 10-minute pod race with the Purgle. (laughs) But for real, seeing the Purgle in live action was so cool. It was so amazing. They resemble humpback whales with tentacles in the back, which is what they used to move. And these guys are huge. They are massive. In animation, I don't know... They still seemed really big in animation, but live action, it just seemed like these are hulking space monsters. We still don't know exactly what they're doing on CETOS, but they're most likely gathering fuel for their hyperspace power. Hu Yang says that there is evidence in the Jedi Archive that spoke of intergalactic hyperspace lanes that used Purgle migration routes. Huzzah for me! <laughs> <laughs> we're guessing this correctly... <laughs> Uh, we love that Filoni is making the Purgle even more important than the creatures who spirited Thrawn and Ezra away. Although it was never confirmed in the film, <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary mentions that your favorite and mine, the Wayfinders were inspired by how Purgle traveled through space.
0: So now wayfinders. I kind
1: of like them a little more, only because it's Purgle related.
0: <laughs> Filoni, stop trying to make Wayfinders happen. It's Ugh. not gonna happen. God damn it. <laughs> Yang does call out, this is intolerable, during the space battle, a line he shares with Henry Jones Sr., a.k.a. Sean Connery from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Always love an Indiana Jones reference within Star Wars, uh, and always love a Sean Connery reference. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also mentions that the giant vessel orbiting CETOS is most likely a hyperspace ring. Definitely something we called last week.
1: Heck Yeah. (laughs)
0: I got a a question about that and a potentially devastating theory.
1: I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it. Make it go away. (laughs) Dave Filoni always knows how to destroy us. Okay. And then our last little tidbit here. Hera says that they encountered the Imperial sympathizers at the Xanthi shipyards. This is the location where Han and Kira's speeder got stuck in the movie Solo. During her meeting with the senators, we also get to meet First Officer Vic Hawkins, like, very normal name for Star Wars, but I'm here for it. He serves directly beneath Hera. His character was unveiled in the Lego set, along with Jason Sandula and Lieutenant Beta, a Moncal officer. And when I saw his name was Beta, I was like, did they really name the fish person Beta?
0: Yes, yes, they did.
1: <laughs> Star Wars, sometimes when it names people, is just really on the mark. So we get Beta fish person and Vic. <laughs> I'm here for it, though. Yeah
0: all right next up questions predictions theories any other discussion points we want to bring up uh i really only have one this week and it, it came to me midweek you know we were talking last week the IF scion looks like it is a hyperspace ring just on a much larger scale mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people have been saying that it looks like it's meant to fit a star destroyer in the middle potentially the chimera thrones flagship that he disappeared on with ezra mm-hmm. Which would make sense. But if we are trying to follow Purgle migration routes, is that ring meant to capture and hold a Purgle in it and use its power for either navigation to get there?
1: Oh, I hate it. Is,
0: that, is the ISIN actually the Starship UK?
1: Oh, God. Trying i trying to not, enslave
0: the space whale.
1: I would not like that at all. Because, <laughs> you know, they would have like some little devices that would be like attached into the purple brain and i am not here for that <laughs> i am not here for any more aquatic creature torture i've seen the second avatar movie <laughs> i do not recommend <laughs> i do not need <laughs> um i can see them doing something like that though totally completely could see that which would like... you
0: make all the sense of why mm-hmm. that they had to build it there if mm-hmm. that's where they're gathering
1: Right. They're trying to find a place where there are going to be a lot of burgle. I really hope this is one of the theories we don't get right. (laughs) I I don't want to see any more space whales injured. Like, this is terrible. (laughs) I don't want it. I don't want it. If Daniel were here, he would have cried by now. (laughs) We don't need to hurt Daniel anymore with any more creatures being injured. All right. Now no, that especially my... now,
0: now, that, now that I found out that the Sarlacc pit was just a peaceful vegetarian who was trying to tell them to go away.
1: He, he didn't want to be bothered. He really didn't. He really didn't. He's just like, no, y'all. like Stop throwing shit down here. I'm just... not get a trash compactor.
0: <laughs> if you get a chance, people read from a certain point of view. Return of the Jedi, the 40 short stories about Like periphery characters uh, in Return of the Jedi celebrating the 40th anniversary, you find out some really fun stuff.
1: I do have to read that still. I've read the first two, but that one I need to get on. I need to get the it, uh, paperback version, though.
0: Yeah, it just came out like last week.
1: Yeah, I was like, it's on my list. I know. <laughs> At one point, I will be buying it. Okay, Um, for me, this episode in and of itself didn't make me ask any new questions. It's mostly stuff that I had still from even before the show began. Like, where's Thrawn? Where's Ezra? Uh, we want to know what Thrawn's master plan is, how he means to achieve it. Um, I do want to know more about Shin and Balon's connection and see more of their interactions. Like, what made her stand out to him? How did he find her? Like, maybe he was one of the Jedi who did go out trying to find new Jedi. And perhaps he has raised her since, like, he's like, well, Order 66 and the Empire are really not great, guys. So, (laughs) if he found any sort of Jedi or younglings babies i think she's a little bit too young to be pre like pre-imperial but yeah he could have known someone who had a kid that is this kid mm-hmm. so i'm curious where that could come maybe in. he
0: promised to take maybe he promised to look after her yeah just like a certain he character could... in another new book um red red blade rising
1: mm-hmm. heartbreaking and knowing Dave Peloni, this is definitely something that he could do. <laughs> <laughs> he loves to give us story, but he also likes to give us drama.
0: Yes. All right, Colleen, I think that is it for today. Mm-hmm. So thank you all for joining us. You can find us on Twix and Instagram at YASWpod. Uh, follow us wherever you're getting a podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, Check out all of our previous episodes on the feed. Uh, You could check out on the Bohemian Geek Studies feed where we covered Star Wars Rebels. And check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family over at ForgottenEntertainment.com. Join us next week when we will be looking at the mid-season episode of Ahsoka. I feel Until so then,
1: <laughs> I know thirty <It's> midseason.
0: <laughs> Until then, make sure there are no leaks in your spacesuit when you go out for your lightsaber spacewalk, and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye, guys.